You're listening to Monday Science Podcast, the show that brings you the latest in science, technology and health with your host, me, Dr. Bahija Rami Abraham. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good day. Uh, welcome back to Monday Science, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Uh, just a reminder that you can send your questions to mondayscience2020 at gmail.com. Uh, through the chat function on our website, which is mondayscience.wixsite.com forward slash podcast. And you can also uh, leave voice message details are on the website. Last week, I was watching uh, one of my favorite TED Talks. Um, the title is How a Dead Duck Changed My Life. And it's by a gentleman called Keys Molaika. This was at um, TED 2013. And it's got over 15 million views. I've put a link to the video um, on the on our on the Monday Science website, um, but it's it's just fantastic. But it reminded me of a time that I was obsessed with something called Ig Nobel Prizes, uh, which where this is where real research findings um, are awarded because they make people laugh first and then think. So today's episode, episode eight, is um, yeah dedicated a little bit to Ig Nobel Prizes. Um, so you would have heard of Nobel Prize, uh, or most people have heard of a uh, Nobel Prize. And the Nobel Prizes are prizes that are awarded annually by the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences, the Swedish Academy, the Karolinska Institute, and the Norwegian Nobel Committee. And these prizes are awarded to individuals and organizations who make um, outstanding contributions in the fields of chemistry, phys- uh, physics, literature, economics, peace, and physiology or medicine. The Nobel uh, Prizes were actually established after the death of a Swedish industrialist called Alfred Bernard Nobel in 1896. Alfred Nobel, uh, he was a Swedish chemist, engineer, he has a a long CV, chemist, engineer, inventor, businessman, philanthropist, and he also invented many different things. I, I think I saw somewhere he had over 350 patents. Um, and he invented many things, including dynamite, um, which we think, oh gosh, dynamite. But at the time in 1896, dynamite was actually more used for civilian purposes and civilian applications. Uh, in 1888, Alfred's brother Ludwig. Um, unfortunately passed away whilst visiting Cannes in France and a French newspaper mistakenly published um, Alfred's obituary instead of Ludwig's. Uh, The obituary commended Alfred for his inventions of military explosives so this is beyond so aside from the work he did of dynamite he was also very much involved in in, uh, development of military explosives. Um, I'm not going to try and read this in French because I know I I do not have that skill set. Um, but the the English version, uh, the obituary stated, the merchant of death is dead, and went on to say that Dr. Alfred, so this is what it says, Dr. Alfred Noble, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. It's quite harsh. Uh, so Alfred, Al- Alfred Noble, um, he'd never married, he didn't have a wife, he didn't have any children. Uh, so he was very disappointed with what he read, because obviously he's reading his obituary before he's passed. And this made him, you know, imagine being called the merchant of death. It's a bit, so it's very intense. So he was very disappointed with what he read, and he was concerned with how he would be remembered. 
And this is said to have brought about his decision to leave a better legacy after his death. He signed his last will and testament and set aside the bulk of his estate to establish the Nobel Prizes. And these were to be, so his original plan was for it to be awarded annually without distinction of nationality. Very interesting point. Uh, the amount he left on his passing, um, when you convert it to sort of current day amount, was equivalent to about 1.6 million. In 2012, the capital for this value was thought to be worth around 380 million pounds. Um, so I, I think a lot of, you know, most, uh, I would say, academics and, and researchers, you know, you look at a Nobel Prize as the ultimate um, sign of recognition of your efforts and achievements. Um, and so I, I thought, hmm, let me look in to see what, you know, how how can one, how can I get a Nobel Prize? Uh, and there has been a very interesting and clearly laid out article by a gentleman called Richard Roberts on the 10 simple rules to win a Nobel Prize. I'm going to share that with you right now. So number one, never start your career by aiming for a Nobel Prize. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> number two, hope that your experiments fail occasionally. Very important, actually, because any, any of my... Um, scientific colleagues out there uh, would know that experiments failing seems to happen probably hmm, 60 to 70 percent of the time. <laughs> uh, so that's that's a good that's a good point. Collaborate with other scientists but never more than two other people. That's very interesting. Um, I can't remember why that was. Hmm. Uh, number four, to increase your odds of winning, be sure to pick your family carefully. Uh, this is because apparently seven children of Nobel Prize winners have gone on to win the prizes themselves and four married couples have jointly won the prize. Very interesting. Uh, point five, uh, work in the lab of or laboratory of a, of a previous Nobel Prize winner. Number six, even better than rule five, try to work in the laboratory of a future Nobel Prize winner. Hmm, but how do you know if you're a future Nobel Prize winner? Well, I guess if you have that conviction, okay, um, to say, yeah, I plan on winning a Nobel Prize. That's a very tricky one, I think, number six. Number seven, always design and execute your best experiments at a time when your luck is running high. Number eight, never plan your life around winning a Nobel Prize. Number nine, always be nice to Swedish scientists. Interesting. Number 10, that's the final one, study biology. So this is because there are two prize categories in which bi biological discoveries are currently being awarded. So that's the physiology or medicine prize and the other is chemistry. And interestingly enough, in the chemistry prize, about half of those uh, prizes tend to, be, tend to go to biologists. Hmm. So the Nobel Prize is, with, is not without any controversy. Um, I'm going to think I've got about four or three couple of examples. Uh, so first off, let's start off with hmm, a very interesting one. So Adolf Hitler was nominated for a Peace Prize in 1939. A Swedish uh, legislator had nominated him as a joke, but nobody found it funny. Mm-hmm. Instead, it created an uproar and the nomination was quickly withdrawn. But um, Hitler didn't actually <laughs> like the Nobel Prizes. And this was in particular after there was um, a vocal critic of, of his was given uh, the Peace Prize in 1935. And so from then, Hitler bar barred all 
uh, Germans from accepting a Nobel Prize. And then he created the German, German National Prize for Art and Science as an alternative. In 1939, three scientists were forced to decline their Nobel awards um, because of uh, Hitler's ban, but they later received uh, their diplomas and medals. Most people would consider um, you know, being nominated or being considered for a Nobel Prize an honor. But in the history of uh, the Nobel Prize, uh, Nobel Prizes, there have been two winners who voluntarily declined the award. So the first, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, who was a French philosopher and author, he didn't accept the 1964 um, Literature Prize. He apparently actually refused all official awards. In 1974, um, uh, a Vietnamese politician called Le Duc Tho, uh, along with Henry Kissinger, uh, who was a former United States Secretary of State, they shared the Peace Prize for their work to end the Vietnam War. Uh, the, Le Duc Tho, Tho sorry, um, however, he refused to accept it because he said that peace has not yet been established. So with the Big Nobel Prizes, these were established in 1991 and were started to acknowledge the achievements of people that actually make people laugh first and then think. The prizes are intended to celebrate the unusual honour, imagination and, you know, to spur people's interest in science, medicine and technology. And I absolutely love them. They're just great. Uh, every September, um, in a, a gala ceremony at Harvard University, Ig Nobel Prizes are physically handed out by genuine Nobel laureates. It's, I, I've seen some clips. It just looks so manic. It's amazing. Um, but because of the COVID, so oh, good news, actually, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, obviously, that's not good news. Uh, this year, the ceremonies will take place entirely online. They are, um, it's going to be on Thursday, September 17th. Um, I've put uh, links for the website on Monday Science's website, and you can have a look. But the general format of the ceremony, so it starts off with the Ig Nobel Prize winners being introduced to the public by a, for a formal Nobel laureate. There's a mini opera this year. It's called Dream Little Cockroach. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's funny. Oh. Um, and then several of the, they invite different people, um, um, mostly academics, and they share what they've been thinking about in an event called 24-7 Lectures. And this is where they have to provide a complete technical description in 24 seconds, then a clear summary that anyone can understand in seven words. It's very interesting. And then there's aeroplanes. It's it, Yeah, this is part of the tradition. They find paper aeroplanes. Um, in the middle of the um, ceremony. Uh, it just, it looks brilliant. It looks a little bit, yeah, just very chaotic, but brilliant. So back to my favorite TED talk, uh, that was the, so in 2003, uh, the Ig Nobel Biology Prize was awarded to Keyes Molaika, and he worked at the Natural History Museum in Rotterdam. Um, and he was awarded for first documenting um, sorry, he was awarded for documenting the first scientifically recorded case of homosexual necrophilia in the Mallard duck. Please watch the TED talk. It is fantastic. I looked at um, the 2019 winners. and I just want to remind you that these are real publications, real research findings. Um, none of these researchers were conducting the work thinking it was funny or were they thinking they would get an Ig Nobel Prize. In fact, I remember 
one prize off the top of my head, uh, which was at my former university, University of East Anglia. It was actually the part of the John, I think it was the John Innes um, Center. And they do a lot of work on cereals and um, different things. And they had published a piece of work around how long it took for cereal to get soggy in milk. And they they had won a prize and I, I don't think it was best received. That aside, so I've picked out um, a few of my favourite 2019 winners. I'm not going to go into each one. Uh, so the 2019 Ig Nobel um, Medicine Prize winner went to Silvano Gallus, and this was for collecting evidence that pizza might protect against illness and death if pizza is made and eaten in Italy. Link on the Monday Science website. Uh, the other prize that I quite liked went to, so this was an Ig Nobel, uh, sorry, Ig Nobel Philosophy Prize, and this went to Fitz Strack for discovering that holding a pen in one's mouth makes one smile, which makes one happier, and and for then discovering that it doesn't. Please read that article because um, I will say once I read that uh, title. I, I did try and put the pen in my mouth. I was like, oh, yes, it does make me smile. Um, but the prize I'd like actually like to talk about. So just as a reminder, the Ig Nobel Prize is to make you first laugh and then think afterwards. So the prize I want to talk about was it's actually the two, 2019 Ig Nobel Economics Prize, which is not something I would usually talk about. Um, but this prize was given, so this prize was given for testing which country's paper money is best at transmitting dangerous bacteria. And this, uh, the study, this was 2019, uh, it's very interesting because the study was originally done in, I think it was 2013, I'll just double check. Um, but it's interesting that this prize, uh, you know, won, <laughs> this, uh, this study, sorry, one in 2019, especially where this, as I as I talk about it now, the findings from this study and other kind of studies have proven useful in um, our current pandemic situation. So just to give a bit of context, so globally, money is one of the, the most frequently passed items from hand to hand. And during its passing, money can easily get contaminated and is likely to play a role in the transmission of microorganisms, so that's such as bacteria, viruses, fungi, parasites, to other people. So in this study, um, what they did is that they were aiming to investigate the survival status of bacteria on the euro, US dollar, Canadian dollar, Croatian Luna, Romanian Lu, called the Ron, Moroccan Dirham, and the Indian Rupee and the transmission of bacteria to people who came in contact with the banknotes. The bacteria they investigated were all multi-drug resistant bacteria, so M MRSA, the superbug, MRSA standing for uh, Metallicin Resistant Staphylococcus aureus, sorry, aureus antibiotic resistant bacteria. Uh, they had the other one, VRA, vancomycin resistant enterococcus, and these are um, uh, bacterial strains of enterococcus that are resistant to the antibiotic vancomycin. And then the other one is um, ESBLS, and these are extended spectrum beta lactamases producing E. coli, um, and these are enzymes that produce bacteria such as E. coli and, and other bacteria that are normally found in the human gut. 
the first and the key sort of findings of their study um was that the Canadian and so in the work that they did, they had the different banknotes and then um, they did a culture where they sort of um, soaked the banknotes to, you know, see what was on them. And then they cultured it and saw and just tried to understand what was going on there. So the Canadian and US dollar were only able to, to grow MRSA. The euro um, was able to grow the ES, ESBL producing E. coli the Indian rupee, uh, the vancomycin-resistant enterococcus bacteria, and they found that the Croatian luna did not yield any of the three microorganisms. And then they did a further study, but those were the sort of key points. Uh, But the interesting thing is that most banknote papers in the world are manufactured from cotton fiber, uh, which gives it the notes its strength and durability and kind of like the distinct feel. And cotton sometimes mixed, can sometimes be mixed with the linen and other textile fibers. And unlike normal printing and writing paper, banknote paper can be blended with polymers to improve its strength. And polymer uh, banknotes were developed to improve durability, to prevent counterfeit um, by incorporating security features such as optically variable um, devices that make it very difficult to to reproduce. I came across polymer or like plastic banknotes when I was in Australia in 2014. And it was actually then that um, I was told, if anybody's been to Australia, you know that they've always had these uh, plastic, you know, plastic banknotes. And it was then um, in 2014 that we were told that, oh, you know, um, the UK had plans to use Australia's technology to change the banknotes that we have here. And as you, those that are listening from the UK, you would know that we now have the five, 10 pound and 20 pound note, which are all plastic notes. So back to the study, um, their experiments showed that the polymer structure of the Romanian Lou banknote allowed for growth and transmission of the multi-drug resistant bacteria. And the study recommended in 2013 that countries using polymer-based banknotes should take this into consideration, especially if a currency is not exclusively used in uh, one country. I found another study that's not an ICC Nobel Prize winner, unfortunately, but this was uh, published in 2014. I've put the link on the Monday Science website and they found the opposite outcome. So they found that um, cotton banknote papers showed more bacterial growth compared to polymer papers. Um, but they also suggested that the variation of differences in their finding findings um, suggest perhaps that the economic status of a country could be associated with the con- concentration of bacteria on the currency. And it was found that the average number of bacteria detected on banknotes was associated with the econi- economic freedom of banknotes. So this suggests that economic um, economies where they do maybe more contactless or card payments, then obviously the banknotes aren't going to be uh, used as much. And therefore, there's more, oh, sorry, there's less risk of contamination. I actually found uh, this, uh, the 2019 Nobel Prize for um, Economics, found it quite interesting. I don't know what, and I, I, you know, it's like, I don't, didn't really see the funny side, but perhaps that's because um, we're living in a pandemic where this topic is, or this study is quite timely and informative for the time we live in now. But perhaps in 2019, I could have read it or we could have read it and be like, oh, that's quite funny. Something, you know, something funny to do. Um, but then in 2020, like, hmm, that's very interesting.
Thanks for joining us this week on the Monday Science Podcast. Make sure to visit our website. Uh, details are in the episode description where you can subscribe to make sure that you never miss the show. Uh, so catch up with you next week. Bye. Thank you.